Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Holy Spirit, right now we are asking that you would open up our hearts to hear your word. That you would open up our hearts to experience you in real time. Not that you are some God somewhere down the road that we will see or engage eventually in person, but that we will begin to experience your presence in person right now. And by doing so, I'm asking you to speak to us today. As as we open ourselves to your Spirit, God, speak through the Spirit into our soul that we might act on that speaking. And we will be grateful in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, today I'm taking a different little tack than I was expecting to take, and I'm moving in a direction to bring to your attention mission. Now, here at this church, we have a mission. We have a mission, and that is to follow the great commandment. And we have a method for accomplishing that mission. And the method for accomplishing that mission is supported by the mandate of that mission. And so we've got a mission, we've got a method, and we've got a mandate. I had this before 3M had their 3Ms. So I'm just saying that we have a mission, we have a method, and we have a mandate. And today, I want to bring to your attention what it means to be a missional part of the mission. Let me share this with you. Mother Teresa said this, God does not call us to do great things, just small things with great love. God does not call us to do great things, just small things with great love. I've often heard adults, particularly grandparents, look in the eyes of their grandchildren or look in the eyes of their children and say, I can see it. I can see it. You're going to do many great things when you grow up. They'll say, you're so smart. You're so talented. You're so awesome. I get that. I get that sentiment. And apparently, I mean, I saw a sonogram of my soon-to-be grandchild. I'm telling you, cutest kid I've ever seen in the world. That, I'm, the, most, the most smartest kid, the most talented kid. You can see it in the sonogram. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just pretending to be a grandparent. What if we said to Christian young people, what if I say to my grandchild eventually, I can see it. You're going to do a great many small things. You're going to do many small things with great love when you grow up. That's a very different orientation. It's a very different way of emphasizing the great commandment. Emphasizing great love instead of emphasizing great things. Jesus himself prioritized love above all things. He says in Matthew 22, verse 36, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love is the point of the great commandment. Love is the highest good, the the most important action that we can take. Love. But as we know, love really is a verb. 
Love is an action word. If we say we love, but we don't show it, what good is love? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Now my wife says that too. But anyway, love is best expressed in action. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not, know, does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Get that, God showed. Don't miss that. God showed. I had a person one time in a church, a leader in the church, come in for uh, some pastoral care regarding marriage. And their, their husband and wife were sitting there. And I said to the husband, I said, well, do, do you love her? And he said, I let her live with me, don't I? Apparently that's not going over very well in here. Verse 9, God said he loved, and then he showed he loved. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not, what we, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. God shows his love by acting in loving ways. The familiar passage in James, faith without works is dead. It's easy to quote. We remember that all the time. But I'm convinced after studying that passage thoroughly that it could also be interpreted, love without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. But God said that he said he loved us, and then he showed he loved us, and since he showed he loved us, we should not only say we love each other, but actually love each other. What have we learned in Romans 12? Don't just pretend to love each other, really love each other. And that means getting into action where you say, yes, I love you, God. And God is saying, great, show me. Love without works is dead if faith without works is dead. When we say we love God, action is the natural outworking of that love. What does doing small things with great love really look like, though? Jesus tells us really clear, clearly in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is recognizing that all of the peoples of the earth have been brought together. And all of these people are separated into two groups, those that actually loved and those that said they loved but really didn't. He calls it the sheep and the goats. That's how he organized it. You know, those that, those that actually really loved, they said they loved and they actually did the love. And then he separates it over here and he says, those that said they loved but they really didn't do the love. And he sets it up like that, and it's the judgment. It's the end of all things. It's, it's how Jesus is saying, these who are welcome into my kingdom and these who are not welcome into my kingdom. 
And then he comes down to it and he says this in Matthew 25. I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. You say you loved me, but I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Refusing to help you? In what way did I refuse to help you? I don't ever remember refusing to help you, Jesus. I've never refused to help Jesus. Have you ever refused to help Jesus? Or have we? Jesus invites us to activate our love for God in simple ways. Not in dramatic, amazing ways, but in simple ways. He says, here's how you activate your love for me. You feed the hungry. You visit the sick. You donate clothing to those in need. You give the thirsty a drink. These are not spectacular acts of charity. You don't have to be Bill Gates to do great things. You don't have to be rich to do great. Jesus is just asking for simple things that express great love. He's not saying end hunger. He's saying if you find somebody that's hungry, you feed them. He's not saying solve the water crisis of the world. He's just saying if you can, give somebody a drink of water. And Jesus said that he, that he so identifies with those who are sick. He said that. You've refused me if you refuse them. If you don't do for them, you're not doing for me. And he, he so identifies with those who are sick. He so identifies with those who are in prison. He so identifies with those who are hungry. He so identifies with those who are thirsty that blessing them by meeting their basic need is like meeting the basic need of Jesus himself. This is how you love Jesus, love the poor. That's how you love Jesus. He says, if you love me, obey me. And he's right here saying to us, if you love me, love the poor. Jesus takes your love or your lack of love, according to Matthew 25, he takes your love or lack of love for the poor very, very personally. This is why we have, as our church, the mandate to be the social center of God's kindness. That we will be a church that does many small things with great love. That's the kind of church we want to be. One small thing we do is give clean water to those who do not have access to clean water. We really do. This is one small way we, as a church, and you as individuals, love God's world and the people in it. About 15 years ago, I met a particular person. About a decade ago, we actually adopted the country of Nicaragua to provide a trifecta, as I call it. You know what a trifecta is? That's when you get three winning tickets in a row. Well, this is three wins in a row. Clean water, female empowerment, and child sponsorship. 
That's the trifecta that we've got going in Nicaragua. Nicaragua is the second poorest country in our hemisphere just behind Haiti. And clean water is the central need in Nicaragua. Let me show you why. Let's put that slide up on the screen. The slide on the screen, as you can see, recognizes that all the things that surround clean water can't occur until clean water is in place. Community growth can't occur. Produce, you know, political engagement. I'm not sure what happened there, but we'll go back to the slide if we can. So we look at work or employment, agriculture, education. None of those things can occur until clean water is in place. I want to specifically invite you today to join me and many of your soul family members in giving thirsty Jesus a cup of cold water. Remember, if the poor are thirsty, Jesus is thirsty. Check out this video that summarizes how we actually as a church give Jesus a drink in Nicaragua. Let's take a look at that video. Thanks. 
brother, share the world, my friend. It takes a deeper well to love one another, share the world, my friend. Mi nombre es Mireya González y ya que me hicieron este pozo, verdad, hemos tenido un cambio porque nosotros jalábamos agua como a 200 metros de aquí en un carretón y pues ahora le doy gracias a Dios porque tengo el agua en la casa y ya no, ya no perecemos tanto de, de agua. Le mando un saludo de verdad a los pastores que vinieron a hacer este pozo, verdad, y Dios los bendiga de gran manera. Every single one of those wells, for you who contributed to our Clean Water Well Project over the last decade or so, every one of those wells and many more, you have had a hand in. Even the ones done by other churches, it's our church that created the partnership for those churches to get involved and to be engaged. And I want to introduce to you today, or not introduce, but uh, welcome again, uh, Stu Torres, Stuardo Torres. So I'm going to put this up on the screen. There's Stu. Am I doing well, April? Stu, can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Uh, are, are, where, are you in Glen Burnie right now? No, I'm in Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are in Nicaragua, and I'm really excited to be able to talk to you. Um, say hello to our people. Good morning, everyone. Okay, we don't have everybody here because you know, as, as you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I want to ask you a couple real specific questions. Uh, first of all, you and I have been engaged in this partnership for a long time now. We've been a, uh, engaged for, in El Salvador and in Nicaragua for over 15 years now. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate our partnership and engagement. You help us actually get the water to the people whom we're help trying to get the water to. So I'm grateful for your burden and your interest in what God's doing with clean water in the world. So thank you for that, Stu. Let me ask you a question. During non-pandemic times in Nicaragua, the poverty is extreme. How has the pandemic affected poverty in Nicaragua? Well, as you mentioned before, Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Latin American side. And uh, when you're the second poorest, of course, you lack the basics in water, education, and some of the basics, of course, are lacked. But here, you know, having the pandemic has created an extra burden and an extra lack of trying to reach those places that's still not been reached. And yes, it's, it has affected a lot. So has the, the government sent you a lot of checks? Sadly, we don't have that uh, option here. Yeah, that's true. So I, I need to let you know as a congregation, because you might be thinking, oh, well, I'm sure the government's helping. But from my perspective and what I know, the people are on their own, completely and absolutely on their own. So when you don't have the very bare basic needs of living, shelter, you don't have good shelter, you don't have access to clean water, uh, food and employment is difficult. For instance, Stu is in a fishing village right now. 
the fishermen of that village, which is the primary industry, has, has always sold to the hotels and tourism. Is anybody traveling there right now? The hotels are shut down. Where do they sell fish to? They don't, they don't sell fish. You might say, well, good, they can, they can fish, that's good. But how do they get the gas and the bait and repair the engine to get out into the ocean to do the fishing if they can't sell fish? Do you see how it just cycles downward? And people who are already incredibly vulnerable are far more vulnerable now. Hey, Stu, let me ask you a second question, and that is, how important is, is access to clean water right now in the rainy season? Well, it is very important because it usually rains every, every day, and because of, you know, the running water towards the rivers where some people get their clean water, gets dirty with, you know, trash and a lot of stuff in the in the and gets into the rivers and the access to the rivers are crazy as well because it it brings branches and stuff so it's it's a challenge that's all i can say it's a big challenge for some people so most people would get their clean water from natural streams running through their village and that water is dirty already because just upstream, animals are in it and people are washing in it. And then other folks are getting water downstream to try to drink and try to eat with. And then when the rainy season comes, which is six months out of the year, you're saying all of those regular water sources are also contaminated, even hand-dug wells. Correct. Because they're shallow and the flood, you know, the, the floating of, of the water seeps into the handle wells and, of course, contaminates the shallow water. Give me some kind of understanding. This is my last question for you, but give me an understanding of what impact putting a clean water well in a community really has. Just like you, you mentioned before, this is a win-to-win thing because... No, the number one is that we bring a clean source of water into the community. So they don't have to walk a mile, two miles, or send their, their kids to get water, to fetch water. So the new source is right there in the community. And uh, as you know, the pandemic stuff is happening, some of the stuff that is required is the washing hands and how can you wash your hands with dirty water right or be drinking dirty water and uh, it just transformed the community big time because there was something that got put on the ground and it's been there forever and all we do is just bring the equipment and we are the tools to bring that clean water up for the community and it just makes the community thrive and blooms and they change the whole environment that they had before. Stu, I love that thought that God has placed a reservoir of health and well-being underneath the surface of the earth and all he needs is for us to partner with him in that in order to make it accessible to people that don't have it. That is a beautiful illustration. You can say thank you, Steve. <laughs> just still, I, I like to say something. I just 
throughout the years, I just want to thank you and thank, thank you to the church that I know you guys sponsor a lot of wells in El Salvador, a lot of wells here in Nicaragua. And I was in a, in a quick meeting with the mayor and he came to me quickly and he said, Stu, I just want to thank you because you guys have been saving lives. So uh, I, I know, I'm, I'm a simple man and we're simple and we're not trying to save the world, but at least in these communities, we have made a big change. And I just want to thank you and thank to the church because they partnered with us and we, we've been able to bring hope to these communities. Thank you, Stu. We love you and we love the partnership. We're going to let you go right now. Church, say thank you to Stu. All right, man, tell all the guys down there we love them and we'll see them soon. God bless. I will. God bless you. Awesome. I love that idea. I love that sense of what it means to partner with God to do good for poor. Jesus said in Matthew 25, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these small things, like giving a drink to someone thirsty, that was me. That was me. You did it to me. That's how personally Jesus takes the plight of the poor. That is great love expressed in small ways. And I'm sure some people will say, why clean water? Why don't instead we just go down there with the gospel and promote the gospel? Good point. But giving the living water of the gospel is better received after you've given the clean water. Read the gospels. It's the pattern of Jesus. He always meets the physical need and follows with the spiritual need. Would you like to give Jesus a drink? Imagine that. Imagine thinking about Jesus who, who looks parched, who looks thirsty, and you've got access or you can contribute in some way to giving Jesus a drink. This is the actual interpretation of Matthew 25. You can't find a different interpretation. All Bible scholars agree. Jesus is saying that when you do this for the poor, you're doing it to me. It's as if, it's, if you're giving Jesus an actual drink when you give a drink of clean water to the poor. Would you like to give Jesus a drink by supporting clean water in Nicaragua? You can, but let me tell you this. Don't rob God to give to Jesus. That's a weird statement. Don't rob God to give to Jesus. What do I mean by that? Don't reduce your regular giving to give to our clean water project because then you're just simply robbing God and giving to Jesus. Offerings, like missions giving, is over and above your regular giving so that we're not, we're giving to God what is God's and then over and above that when we recognize an additional need, our generosity, because we have our, our normal obedience to God as we give to his church and his kingdom, but then above and beyond that, we might at times be called to give beyond. So if you want to respond with either a one-time gift or a regular ongoing monthly gift, 
use any of our regular giving options on the screen. And they're coming up on the screen right now. Just identify that your giving is for wells. And when you do that, we'll take it from there. I know that many of you give to other missions outside of our church that are not related to our church. And I'm not discounting those missions at all. I'm sure they're fabulous missions. My question is this. Have you ever visited those missions personally? Has anyone you know ever visited those missions personally? There is something amazing about giving to something that you can actually visit or a friend of yours or a family member can actually visit. And with our Nicaragua Missions Project, you can visit. Dozens of people from our church have visited the wells and the children that they've sponsored. It's the real deal. I want to encourage you to just ask Eric and Shelley Johnson. Just ask Marvin Farmer. Just ask Jason Walker, Jay Hesse, Damaris Maldonado, Gavin Fortin, Stephanie Leake, Sammy Stillman, Jeff Geisberg, Brad Myers, Mike and Lisa Kirkpatrick, and dozens and dozens more of people. Ask them what difference they saw clean water makes in a community, child sponsorship makes in a community. In fact, if you're interested, and you might be thinking, one of these days I'd like to actually see that in person, I'm anticipating that this January, the end of January, the 1st of February, 2021, we're going to go again. We're going to revisit Nicaragua. We're going to take an adult trip down there. We're going to drill a well. We're going to visit our female empowerment mission. We're also going to visit our Compassion International children, who many of you sponsor. And if you have a remote interest in actually seeing Stu for real, in operation, and what we're doing, and how it impacts the world, and you'd like to be a part of that drilling, you'd like to be a part of that experience, just let me know, and I'll get you on the list and keep you informed. But right now, it's time to respond. So I want to invite you that are here in this congregation, and you that are at home, why don't you stand with me right now? We're going to get ready and sing a song, and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I know that some of you are already giving sacrificially to our local or global missions. I know some of you are already giving to wells. I'm not talking to you right now. I'm asking those who currently don't have missions giving in their regular household budget to pray about ongoing missions above and beyond your regular giving in order to give a drink of water to Jesus. If you would consider a simple act of charity, $10 a month, $25 a month, $50 a month, whatever amount you and the Holy Spirit come up with, and then act on it. Don't just say it, but act on it. Don't wait. Strike while the conviction of God is hot and go ahead and love Jesus by giving to the poor. Otherwise, while we sing, what's on your heart? What do you want to talk to Jesus about? What do you need him to address in your life? If you're watching online, there'll be a link to a way to submit a prayer request for us who are in person right here in just a moment after this song and after our benediction, we're going to respond in person to the needs that are on our lives right now. 
But right now, would you just sing this song with me? Would you just let the Holy Spirit talk to you and see what he has to say? Come on, church. Online, in person, let's worship. Let's worship and respond. Let these lyrics be your prayer. Thank you, Lord. Hear the word roaring as thunder with a new future to tell. For the dry season is over. There is a cloud beginning to skies heavy with blessing lift your eyes offer your heart Jesus Christ open the heavens now we receive the spirit of God we receive your We read. 